Hello everyone, good afternoon. It is Tuesday, and I believe it is May 4th. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> we have, um, at our school, we're wearing Star Wars t-shirts today because uh, it is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. And I hope you guys are having a good day today. Um, today we're going to talk about What's your relationship status? That's the title of my message today. I remember when being single and it was all about your relationship status. As soon as someone's relationship status changed, everybody was all about seeing what they were up to and who it was and who the person is, where they came from, what their history was. Everybody doing their research. But today we're going to be talking about our relationship with God. What is our relationship status when it comes to God? So, and right now in this day and age, we need to check our relationship status every day to make sure that we are on the right path and that we are connected to Him every day, especially because this world is just going crazy. So we need to make sure we are plugged in to our power source, which is Jesus our reading today is going to be from 2 Chronicles 7.14. That's 2 Chronicles 7.14. And it reads, If my people, this is a very familiar verse, which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land we need some healing in our land for sure uh, seems like um, everything is going sideways and backwards and you never know from day to day which direction we're going to be heading so we definitely need to humble ourselves and pray for our world and pray for our nation because it seems like we have lost our way so I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get started. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for each and every day that you give us. It is a chance to get closer to you. It is a chance to have you reveal things to us that maybe we haven't had yet. It's a chance to dig more into your word and to delve more into your mind, to see how you think and how you react and how you express yourself and how you in, relate to us. So we ask that you bless us and help us to draw closer to you through this message that you've given us. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So the definition of a relationship is the way that two or more things or people, etc. are connected. Uh, the state of being connected by either blood or marriage. So we, as a child of God, we are his and he is the groom and we are considered the bride. So it's interesting how the relationship definition, it says that it is the state of being connected by blood or marriage because both of those things are important to us as Christians because we are, when we are baptized, we are covered by his blood and that his name is applied to us through baptism and obviously we need to repent and and receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost as well. So that binds us to Him. 
and we become his bride when we follow the gospel and his blood is applied to our life we are considered married to him we are the bride and he is the groom so America needs more of this revelation because not everybody has this revelation of our relationship and how it all works when it comes to God and his children um, when uh, I teach my kindergarten class and I use a lot of examples from my class but uh, their uh, relationships are a little different than ours um, they pretty much can hang out together and be friends one minute and then enemies the next and they have no problem throwing their friends under the bus if something ha bad happens I mean you ask who did it and it could be their best friend and he did it she did it they have no pr I mean they don't even think about it they just throw their friend right under the bus it's not even an issue and then two minutes later they're best friends now imagine if we did that to our best friends or our spouses or anybody else that we love in our life um, it wouldn't be so easy to make amends people as we grow up we don't make amends in our relationships as well as we do when we are children um, so I mean and they they're pretty ruthless sometimes I mean if when they get mad though it's I mean it's cute but it means a lot to them in their world I mean uh, they pretty much for them to say that you know what you're not coming to my birthday party I mean that is a huge deal you'll have kids crying for five minutes because their friends said they can't come to their birthday party and they use things like that against each other when they are upset with the other person but then we usually solve the problem and they're best friends like it never happened but compared to adult relationships we are very quick to get bitter um, when we are offended or when someone um, says something or does something that we don't like uh, we get offended really easy and we have a chance to get bitter and let that bitterness settle in us and when bitterness finds a root in our heart in our mind then it turns into unforgiveness and uh, pretty much it can work either way if you're not going to forgive someone then that can also plant a root of bitterness so those two things are not good things to have in our heart and in our minds and in our spirits and then that unforgiveness and that bitterness can turn into hatred can we turn into hatred towards that person um, and it's very hard to communicate it's very hard to keep friendships if we are going to have a heart that's filled with bitterness unforgiveness and hatred and that's judgmental because once we allow those things to settle in our heart then we start to become judgmental we start to judge the world and judge the people around us and that is definitely all four of those things are things that we do not want embedded in us we want God to pull those things and drive them out because you're never closer to God than when you forgive someone and you will never be further away from him than when you do not forgive someone uh, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to have to forgive someone or ask for forgiveness when you don't feel like it was your fault or you don't feel like you're the one who should be offering forgiveness 
or asking for forgiveness. Sometimes you're going to be wronged and sometimes God is going to require you to be the bigger person and to take that step and to ask for forgiveness uh, even if you are not at fault. There's been a few times in my life where you know I've had I've been at odds with people and you know I was waiting for them they need to come and ask for forgiveness. Why do I have to do it? I'm not the one who started it, but then God started to point out things to me that I did that was wrong and things that I may have said that was wrong. So I initiated that and asked for forgiveness first. And boy, did that really relieve pressure off my mind and off my back and off my spirit. And I felt really close to God because when you think about God, Jesus dying on that cross, he didn't deserve to die and take the sin of the world upon his shoulders and suffer the torture that he suffered but he did and he asked for forgiveness for the very people who were persecuting him he didn't have to do that so sometimes we're going to have to follow in fact not sometimes all the time we're going to have to follow his example and sometimes it's going to be difficult it's not going to be hard or it's not going to be easy uh, forgiveness is never easy but we definitely don't want to live a life with bitterness unforgiveness and hatred and be judgmental because those things can bring our relationship with God and our relationship with others to a stagnant state. So there are four C's when we look at in a relationship. There's four C's that we must follow. Uh, the first one is communication. Uh, communication is prayer. In order to now, this is going to be focusing on, on our communication with God. But it also goes into our relationships, our personal relationships, whether it's marriages or friendships or you know relationships with our children. Uh, these four C's re apply to them, even though we're talking about our relationship with God in this specific instance. Number one, communication is prayer. We must pray. In order to build a relationship with God, we have to pray. We have to talk to Him. We have to allow Him time to speak to us so if we don't do that then we're not going to build a good relationship imagine if you never you talk to your wife or your children or your friend once a year or once every three months or once every two months or once every four week or four weeks or two weeks you're not going to really have as strong as a relationship as you would if you were to talk to them every day or at least three times a week or something like that Daniel prayed three times a day. And notice the thing about Daniel is that he prayed while he was in captivity. I mean, he was in uh, a nation that was not was very hostile to people like him. And he prayed no matter what. It didn't matter if they made laws that were telling him not to pray. And he didn't close his windows. He actually prayed toward them. He didn't hide himself. So he was really connected to his God and he didn't fear anything because of that connection and because of that relationship that he had. And he prayed three times a day and God used him. See, once when we communicate with God and we build that relationship with him, God will start using us because we are allowing ourselves to be um, available. God uses you when you are available and someone who is praying and communicating and talking to him every day is making themselves available 
for God to use them. And that's exactly what happened in Daniel's case. He was used to interpret dreams uh, for the kings at that time. And so praying is essential to crucify our flesh and to draw closer to God. If Daniel was in, I mean, I think I believe he was in captivity in Babylon um, since he was about, I think it was around 15, 16 years old. So pretty much from an early age, he was in captivity and behind enemy lines, so to speak. And so he was the the oddball at the time. And um, but his prayer was essential because in his flesh without prayer without that connection he would have been extremely weak he might have fallen into temptation to um, kind of adapt to the culture that was surrounding him but because of his connection to God because he was drawing closer to God he had strength to overcome a lot of obstacles uh, number two is cooperation cooperation can be defined as obedience so in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, Cast down imaginations and high things that exalteth itself. Bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. So what it's talking about there is that if you want to um, cooperate, then you're going to have to obey things that God is telling you to do. You're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me, as Jesus says. He says, if you love me, then you will do as I say. How can you say that you love me if you don't do the things that I say? In other words, how can you say that you love me if you're not going to obey me? You have to obey me and obey the things that I'm telling you to do in order to really, truly love me. So obeying the gospel as well, you got to repent, be baptized, and you have to receive the Holy Ghost. This is the plan of salvation. So as Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and he was resurrected. We have to also die to ourselves in repentance and be buried in baptism and be resurrected through the Holy Ghost, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So in order to cooperate with for the second C, we have to be obedient. And that's what that's talking about. Obedience is important. Number three is compromise. Compromise has to do with crucifying our flesh. You have to compromise some things that you believe and that you think are right or that this world is telling you is correct in order to do the things that God is asking you to do and in order to obey him. So compromise means crucifying our flesh. It demonstrates that we care for something beyond ourself and what more could, what else out there that is better than caring for what God cares about and trying to uh, dig into his mind, so to speak, by reading his word and praying and connecting with him and to un trying to understand more and more how he thinks and how he feels about the world and how he loves people. That's the most important thing is we need to crucify our flesh so that we can be humbled so that we can learn how to love people the way that God loves people. He doesn't see people the way we see them. We are really quick to judge and really quick to dissect someone that we are looking at. We have no clue what their heart 
is about. We're continually looking on the outward man, but God looks on the inward man. He looks on the heart. So in order to do that, in order to become more humble and to be more loving, we need to crucify our flesh. And that will demonstrate that, you know what, we care about other things besides ourselves. And in fact, we need to care about other people more than we care about ourselves. Put other people first. That doesn't mean to neglect yourself. That just means that we are putting others first as God put himself first by dying on that cross. He was putting himself and his comfort and everything else before um, before his for his people so they wouldn't have to suffer what he suffered and they would have a plan they would have an out they would have a way to ex uh, receive eternal salvation so he sacrificed himself for the good of others paul said in my flesh dwells no good thing and that's why we must crucify ourselves daily because realizing coming to the place where you realize that your flesh is weak and that you can only do so much under your own power before you fail, before you make a huge mistake that you regret and you end up hurting yourself or hurting other people. So in realizing that in your flesh dwells no good thing humbles you because it forces you to rely on a power that is outside of yourself. And that power obviously is God. So crucifying our flesh daily by praying, by reading the word, even fasting is going to help you deal with distractions from your relationship. It's going to, we have so many distractions in this world. Our phones are probably the number one distraction. Some people pick up their phones, I think it was three or 400 times a day. That is crazy. And, I, and I'm thinking, man, do I pick up my phone that much? And probably, I probably do. Maybe close to it, you know, maybe at least 200 times a day. But you think about it, that's a lot of time to pick up your phone. And there's so many distractions. Everything's at your fingertips. So whatever you want to watch or look at or read or hopefully it's good things. Um, even good things can be a distraction, taking us away from reading the word and praying and doing the things that we have to do to stay connected to God. So we need to watch that. Obviously, you want to watch and read and and do good things. So, But still, those things should never take precedent over what you're doing spiritually to connect. So you're going to have to compromise some things in your life, even if they're good, to connect more and to relate more to God. And Aaron, and his compromise, he saw all the plagues, the Red Sea parting, the pillar of fire, and he failed to reject Israel for Israel's plea for a visible God. You see, because once Moses had left to go up to the mount up up the mountain, you know, pretty much they're down there. This has taken too long, you know, this is ridiculous. We want we want a God like all these other cultures. They have their gods. You know, why don't why do we have to believe in this invisible God that we can't see? Why do we have to do that? Why are you forcing us to do that? We want something that we can see that's visible. So that's where that golden calf came from. And they begin to worship this golden calf. And that's because Aaron compromised. He compromised in a negative way. He didn't have enough 
uh, I guess, so to speak, a relationship with God. It wasn't that strong because he compromised with the people and their murmurings and their whining. And he didn't compromise in the good way that we're talking about. He compromised his faith. He compromised what he believed and he allowed them to build a golden calf to worship. So don't you can also compromise yourself in a negative way. So don't compromise God with a lesser God to fit into your lifestyle. This is called idolatry, and that's exactly what they did. And this is a this is pretty much the story of Israel throughout the Bible. Is they're constantly falling into idolatry, and then God sends prophets, and then he they preach to them to try to pull them out of their sin, and then they get, they come out of it a little bit for a few, then they fall back into idolatry again. So it's it's a constant battle, and this battle is actually still raging now, even with us. We constantly are fighting against things that are trying to pull us away and distract us from God. And those things can be anything like, I mean, watching YouTube, Facebook, and I'm not saying these things are bad, I'm just saying it can be anything that is pulling you away that is causing you to spend more time on those things than time with God. It could be the phone, TV, etc. It doesn't matter what it is. God is a jealous God. And he hates idolatry. He hates to be put second. He wants to be put first. So we have to be cognizant of things that are taking our time away from him. Even if they're good things. As long as what I've been trying to do lately is do whatever I need to do for God first. That's not to just to say, okay, I'm checking it off in a book and now I don't have to do it anymore. No, it's... It's being cognizant, okay, I, you know what, I need to put God first. When I wake up in the morning, I need to pray. I need to read a little of the Word. Uh, I need to get my day started with prayer and reading the Word and end my day with prayer and reading the Word. And if I can, during the middle of the day, uh, also pray and read the Word. So making sure that I am nourishing that relationship with Him is important. Number four is character. This is your soul. You have three parts to your soul. You have the, your temperament, uh, which is just who you are. You're either shy or outgoing, or you're an introvert or extrovert. This usually doesn't change. This is usually what you're born with. So um, your temperament is going to be with you for your entire life. Uh, your character is who you really are. It's moldable, shapeable. It's influenced by certain um, voices or certain entities. Uh, it's either influenced by the world or it's influenced by godly things and God. So your character is actually the most important thing about you. This is part of your soul. This is where the battle is going on in your head to control who you are, how you think, what you want to watch, what you want to listen to. Um, your character is constantly being bombarded with choices. And the, it's either the devil that you're allowing to shape your character or it's God. So you definitely want to watch that and who you're allowing to shape you. Your personality is the third one. It's the third part of your soul. And it is how you face the world. It's the face that you put on to the world. And your personality can change depending on what group you're in. So that, does that doesn't, that's not really who you are. It's just the face that you're showing or the mask, so to speak, that you are allowing people to see at that certain time. Now, one thing you have to watch is that 
your character is important because it can lead people to and from Christ. In fact, Christians are the biggest deterrent from people going to God, and they are also the biggest influence. So they are not only leading people to Christ, but they are also deterring people from Christ. If you're not living a Christian lifestyle, you're going to church and you're doing everything you do, uh, you know, and attending regularly and paying your tithes, and then while you're not at church, you're not living like a Christian, then that is, people aren't going to really see a change in you. They're going to see, they're going to think you're a hypocrite, you know. They're going to respect you if you hold to your values and your principles and you live the Christian life. That's what's going to draw them. And especially, uh, the Bible says that people will know, or people will know that you're mine. In other words, Jesus is saying, people will know that you're mine in because of how you treat one another. So if you're treating people badly, then they're going to look at you and no one's going to want to be a Christian if they're experiencing you cussing somebody out or being rude to somebody or not a treating people with respect and love. They have no, um, they have no cho- choice. I mean, if it, if it comes to making a choice, they're not going to want to be a Christian if that's all that they see from you. So you got to make sure that you are living the life and not just talking it. So in Romans 6.13, it says, Know ye not to whom ye yield yourself to, servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So what this is saying here is you're, you're not in control of anything. You're only in control of who you yield yourself to and you are servant to that person. So if you're serving the devil, then you're going to be a servant to sin unto death. And if you're serving God, you're going to be a, a servant unto obedience with his righteousness covering you. So we control who we let shape our character. It's either the devil, which works in the flesh, or it's Christ with spiritual sanctification. So we need to be cognizant of of things that we're allowing into our life and who we're letting mold us and shape us. Our body, soul, and spirit are our three parts. The body's the flesh, the soul's the mind, the personality, emotions, and our spirit is our heart. It's our connection to God. And those those three things, especially our soul, which contains our personality, our character, uh, we need to make sure that we are cognizant of who we are allowing to shape that. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, Pray that the whole spirit, body, and soul are preserved blameless unto the coming of Christ. So we must focus on those three things. When you are allowing God to change your soul and your spirit, that will resonate on the outside. But you don't start to see change in that area until you have changed inside. And so then you will start to resonate change on the outside. So it is important that we understand that in this life we're going to suffer things. Things are going to come our way. And we have to understand that, as Paul understood, that bitterness, unforgiveness, and all of those things we talked about earlier, we cannot allow them to shape or ruin our relationship with God. 
God never promised us a perfect life. He never promised us that once we became a child of God that no bad things would happen to us. He promised that he would be there for us and would never forsake us and that he would never give us more than we can bear. But he did not promise that we would not suffer. So suffering is a part of life. God's not going to protect us from every single thing. So it's important not to get bitter at God. It's important not to blame Him for things that are going wrong in your life. And we all have those times, even myself, where I, man, my attitude's horrible and I repent for it and God, ask God to help me, you know, to be better at accepting change and when things go wrong in my life. It's definitely a walk. And one thing that Paul realized is that his suffering was death giving life. So in other words, the glory of God was shown through his suffering because people were saved watching him suffer and actually not get bitter and not and still believe in the God that was empowering him to do what he was doing. People were saved through that. They were set free through his testimony, through the way that he re lived his life. They were renewed. They were given a new life through his suffering. And this, his suffering glorified Christ's suffering and resurrection on the cross. See, that's what we're doing. We're trying to align ourselves with God. And if we can, we're going to suffer things. And if we can have a good attitude and we don't get bitter and we can forgive, then we are aligning ourselves with the mindset of God. Jesus came to serve. He didn't come to, uh, to persecute. And he didn't come to um, condemn. He came to save. And that's why he gave his life for us. So if you're out there and you're wondering if there's still hope, Jesus died for you and he came to seek and save those which are lost. So if your relationship is not where it's at and you truly want a, a relationship with him and you want to be a, a part of him and you want to know more of him, then you have to follow these four C's, communication, cooperation, compromise, and character. You have to focus on those things and they will draw you closer to Him. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this message today. We thank you for every heart that's been touched. We ask you to change us daily. Continue to check our hearts and pull things out of there that we don't need. Help us to focus and face our fears. Help us, Lord, to become stronger disciples for you and help us to reach a world that is lost and continue to increase our relationship and to build it and help us to make it stronger and to stay consistent and to stay faithful as you are faithful no matter what. And we want to follow your example, give us strength and wisdom and power that can only be received by receiving your spirit in our life. Well, I hope you enjoyed this message and I hope it blesses your day. And we will see you next time. Have a good rest of your week and enjoy the time with your family, friends. And hopefully you're going to church on Sunday or during the week. If you aren't, then that is also another way to build your faith and to build your relationship with God. God bless you all and have a great day.